We're Kenyon and Takara Martin, faith-based marriage coaches, champions for healthy love, and lovers of pizza. And this is the Ask the Martins podcast, where we answer your single, married, or dating relationship questions with practical advice and research-based techniques. Have a relationship question you want answered? Well, send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram at Ask the Martins or visit us at AskTheMartins.com. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome, 2022. We are Kenyon and Sakara Martin. We are faith-based relationship coaches. We are authors of Journey to Freedom, the Soul Ties Detox, and covered for couples. This is the Ask the Martins podcast where we answer your relationship questions live on the air. We get a lot of them in our emails and our DMs or what have you. And so what we do is we take this time live on the YouTubes to answer your questions because our motto is if one person has a question, it's likely that a hundred, maybe even a thousand people have that same question. So we do you the honors of answering those questions rapid fire, quick fast in a hurry right here. All righty, I'm going to hand it over to Kenyon Martin for the church announcement. <laughs> All right. So check this out. New for 2022. Listen, the Soul Ties Detox. We are the authors of the Soul Ties Detox. Yes. But we want to make it clear that it is no longer available. You won't find it on Amazon. You won't find it in Barnes and Nobles. You won't find it elsewhere. There is nowhere you can find it unless somebody bootlegged the thing. But the idea <laughs> is, is that um, we've made that actual book an exclusive and mandatory part of our program. So if you're going through a heartbreak or a breakup or divorce, or if you're walking away from a toxic friend or a family member walking away from that relationship, that's where it will come in play. And it will come in play along with the program. But no matter how hard you try and can't seem to let go, that's where we are. That's how we work. That's what we do. And that's what the book is there for. So you won't be able to find it anywhere else, but with us, because we personally and live walk you through it ourselves. If you want more information on that, go to workwiththemartins.com. That's all one word, workwiththemartins, both of us, two uh, S, dot com. Absolutely. And you start there and download the free information from there, okay? Now, let's see here. What is on sale, what is actually in Bars and Nobles and Amazon and so on and so forth, whatever's out there. Y'all hear I put an S on at the end of everything <laughs> old. I Now I do it too because I think I'm made to an old person. Barnes and Nobles. The Barnes and Nobles covered four essential pillars that will safeguard, support, and restore your marriages. It's an incredible book and it's an incredible workbook. You can always find it online or you can find the audio book online as well, exclusive to Audible. And listen to this now. This is 2022. I want to make sure y'all, do y'all hear this? I want to make sure y'all there Drum roll, for 2022. <laughs> We've been working hard. You've been working hard. We both have, been. We want you to stay tuned because Takara's brainchild is coming around the corner. She was just sparked and she created and, and I helped produce, but she is the brainchild behind a new audio drama that's going to drop. In about a month, right? Yes. It's a scripted podcast. Right. It's a scripted podcast. So you're going to enjoy it. It kind of blew me away how it came together. And, yeah, like a um, whole cast and everything. Yeah, the like. cast and everything. So I'm blown away because I've never seen anything like that before or actually heard anything like that before, much less help being part of the development. So that's what I'm excited for. I'm telling you, I am excited. Yay. You ready for Room Rules? Room Rules. Room Rules. This is a safe place. People bring us their sensitive issues because they trust us. Even though they're confidential, their hearts are still out there so be kind which is number two respond with kindness and compassion you can say the right thing in the wrong way and it becomes wrong it's okay to be sh a straight shooter but if you have no class tact or empathy you're hurting people and to be honest it just kills the vibe so be kind and compassionate when you're speaking and then finally keep your hearts open and pliable to any correction not every answer might be what you want to hear and that's okay we step on emotional toes charge it to our head and not our heart but correction is not judging you it's a redirection of mental and emotional and physical effort yes. that's all it is so here's the thing we're going to answer these questions. These questions come from our Instagram. They come from you who are live on YouTube. And priority goes to Super Chats because 
They're actually You're super. <laughs> right. <laughs> With that being said, let's see. I see Shakiva. I see Nisha. I see Vanessa. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, please. Miss Settles. Correct me because names mean something. We're two people who have had people mispronounce our names throughout our whole, whole lives. So if we mispronounce something, go ahead and give us the phonetic Let spelling. us know. All right. You ready to get started, babe? Ready to get started. What's the first question we got here that we're answering? This is it right here. That one right there? Yep. How do I stop obsessing that he's just like my past relationships? I got notes here because these are some really good questions. I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. And then you could just jump in like Absolutely. you usually do. Just being honest, going to be honest, hindsight is twenty twenty, And what we're going to tell you is that you probably shouldn't be dating in the first place if you still have questions about that anxiety. Because obsession is an anxiety. And that, that anxiety comes from not trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. To choose a decent individual and not trusting them because you don't trust yourself to choose the decent individual. So while you're in that place of not trusting, more than likely you shouldn't be dating in the first place. So the idea is, is what's causing you to be drawn into that relationship? Well, more than likely, even though you shouldn't be in the relationship in the first place, you're probably hoping hard. You know, maybe if I choose the right one or maybe this is the best time, you don't want to be alone. Most people don't want to be alone, especially after exiting a terrible relationship or a turbulent relationship, especially with an ex. And number three, which is probably you'll be blown away by how many people make an unhealthy decision based upon prayer. And I'm not saying that prayer doesn't work. Matter of fact, I'm not saying that God doesn't answer prayer. Let's put it that way. That's the accurate way of saying it. But what I am saying is that there are certain prayers that God will not answer because some of this stuff is left up for us. Right. And so the idea is that a lot of people are putting themselves back out there because they, I'm praying for the right person to come along. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for that. I'm praying for the other. Do you know how many variables that needs to be involved with the right person coming along? The very first variable is somebody who's willing to come along, not by God's will, but by their own will. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. God is not going to force somebody to enter your dating scene in order for you to be okay. And he's not going to force anybody to act right once they do enter your scene. So it's important to understand that we don't put ourselves in a position just because we pray for it. We have to be a whole lot more open we, or a whole lot more conscious about the position we play when we're out there. But all that being said, hindsight is twenty twenty. You're probably with somebody right now. You're probably looking at them. You're probably obsessing. You're probably going through all these different things. So first and foremost, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you, are you over your ex? If you want to stop obsessing over them, are you over them? Too many people enter new relationships without being healed from the prior one. Trust us. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. Too many people go forward and they try to utilize somebody else to heal them of the pain that they have. Because they conflate the pain of loneliness with the pain that somebody else has caused them. And so what happens is that they go ahead and swing right into a new relationship, never landing, never healing, never taking the time. Okay. Do you have any input? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Another place is to understand how you handle the relationship anxiety, the anxiety within that relationship. If your obsession, obsession. A strong word. <laughs> Right. Obsession is a strong word, but obsession identifies anxiety about something in an intense focus because I'm anxious about that. Mm -hmm. If that exists, then you're at an impasse with your own self, not with them, but with your own self. Correct. Your problem, because you're in that situation and you're obsessed with a certain behavior or you're really, it's not even a behavior because you don't, you haven't taken the time to observe the behaviors. You're obsessed with trying to avoid an experience. You're obsessed with trying to not go through what I went through. You see what I'm saying? And when you're obsessed with trying not to go through with what I went through, you find yourself looking for what that looks like. I guess you could say the similarities. Right, right. You understand what I'm saying? Looking at those similarities. So first and foremost, you got to get over that ex. That's the first piece. And then you have to ask yourself about your ex. You should sit down and, okay, let me be honest here. And this isn't in the notes. 
But we've just got finished or we're about to finish up eight weeks with some wonderful women who have gone through some terrible situations, which we were tasked to help them walk through or to help them heal through regarding past relationships, regarding their exes. All right. Right. And so what we're giving you here are tip of the iceberg type stuff, because you really do need to go through that process of healing. But after you go through that process of healing, you need to make a mental note of the behaviors that you missed. What are the red flags in that relationship that you saw and didn't respond to? I'm not talking about their experience that you did respond to. I'm not talking about the experience that hurt you. I'm talking about the minor, small things you shrugged off. Red flags that you went through at the very beginning of that relationship. The reason why is because that lets you know two things. Number one is that there are going to be things that are going to be clear or kind of give you clues to experiences later on. That's going to be number one. Number two, it lets you know that you have blind spots. And so all this is, is about looking back at those identifying those and being observant. Okay. Now, a lot of people have this issue where they feel like I don't want to hold this against that person. I don't want to keep that person, look at that person like him or look at that person like the person in my past. And you don't, but because you have an experience of pain and you know what the color red looks like, be available to identify that. We've seen a lot of people in bad relationships because they were reluctant to try to make that new person look like that old person. Right. And the biggest issue is, is that you just shut down observing when you should have kept observing all along. It's okay to identify red flags because once you identify them, you communicate about them. That's the next step. You communicate. Just tell them, listen, this happened. Kind of triggered me, but guess what? I understand that he is not you. This is something I went through in the past. I know that's not you. You're a different person. Can we talk about this or can we not do this? Or is there anything I need to know about this particular situation? However, that conversation goes because communication, last thing Takara and I, we say observe all the time, but last thing Takara and I want you to do is sit back and watch and try to read minds. You can't do that. We're human. So talk. All right. So whenever something bothers you, You talk about it and you deal with it up front. And then how they respond to that will give you more contextual clues as to who they are and what pluses or minus or red flags they bring to the situation. You understand what I'm saying? That's not being obsessed. That's being observing. But again, obsessed is a strong phrase. So if you you can't avoid obsession, you can only work through it, heal from it, if that makes sense. It does. I have just really quickly, if I may, everybody who goes into relationships with insecurities, I think you said something very important is that communicate those insecurities. You communicate those things where you may have been wounded, not in a way that you expect them to essentially coddle you through those insecurities, but at least let them know, like, here's a little bit of what I've been through, just enough, like just laying out expectations of what things may trigger you in relationships, right? So that's one thing, but I think you have to be honest with yourself. How do you stop obsessing? It's one of those things where you heard the things that Kenya went through as far as understanding what those red flags were in your last relationship. What did you miss? What did you ignore? What did you allow to go on? And what did you put up with for a period of time? All those create your red flags list. Those red flags are relative according to what you need and what you've been through. And it's it's shaped by your experiences as well. So Pay attention to that. But then at the end of that, if you still could not stop obsessing and you still feel like you are not over it, then I want to make sure that you can be 100% honest with yourself and say, hey, this is not good for me right now. This relationship is not healthy for me right now because 
How are you going to enjoy the relationship? How are you going to really be able to clearly get to know that person if you're obsessing over somebody that they're not? If you're attributing behaviors and things to them that may be coming from a previous relationship. So make sure that like if you're in this and you can't enjoy the relationship because of that obsession and that anxiety, do yourself and do that person a favor and exit or bow out until you can get your emotions and everything in check. Because what you'll find is that you'll start imposing your insecurities on them and then creating anxiety within them. And nobody wants to live in that kind of hell. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was good, babe. Thank you so, so much. Now, you ready for the next question? I am. How to be single after 26 years of being with my ex-husband, suffering in the thought. Okay. Can I start? Yes. Okay. So coming out of a marriage of 26 years says that you have gone through two, nearly three decades of transitions and changes of who you were. And the very first thing I want to help you with right now is understanding that the last thing you want to do is try to go back to who you were before you met your husband. You've changed, you've evolved, you are somebody new after almost 30 years. So what you do now is very important in terms of really getting to know yourself outside of that relationship, really touching, getting to know who you are, what you like, what you don't like, you know, get out in the world and really become who you are before inviting somebody else into that space. Of course, you know, we're going to talk about healing because healing, that's what we do. But also recognize that you can't be somebody that you were back in the day. You're a new person. So just as you're discovering yourself outside of that relationship now or discovering how to date and do all those things, make sure you're discovering you along that way as well. Excellent. Hey, that's pretty good. (laughs) I'll add some to it. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. The, The whole thing about coming out of it, 26 years is a long time to spend with one person, right? Mm-hmm. So we go from being married to being single. And we look at that transition as a curse, or we look at that transition as something that we don't want to be in. We look at the pain of that transition, maybe due to the loss. We don't know how that marriage ended either. Or, you know, it could be a loss, or it could be a marriage or ended marriage, one of the two. But the idea is to go into this understanding that single is only a designator. It's an identifier. It's a social and intimate and romantic identifier that says this is new space. And I'm in this space now. I'm in control of this space. And then you have to start looking at it like, okay, my other space was other oriented meaning that I was always focused on someone else because I grew in 26 years to make that person a habit in my life. So now I no longer have that habit. I don't, I no longer have to do that easier said than done. But when you begin to think about it, now you have to begin to work towards new habits, work towards how you live alone, work towards being alone without feeling alone, if you will. Work towards those things that Takara talked about as far as working on yourself, changing furniture around. Do small things first that give your brain the trigger or the that flips the switch that says, okay, this is my new reality, okay? Because singleness is nothing but a new reality. Second thing I will say is learn how to grieve. Grieve through this. I don't know how long you've been away from that person or when you lost them or, or when they lost you. Either way, you're going to have to grieve through that process, okay? That's going to be extremely important. Take time to grieve through it. A lot of people jump straight from how do I get over this to how do I move on, and they're gone. But they don't take time to breathe, time to grieve, time to cry, time to miss, time to say I was in love, time to really face all the truths of that and how they're no longer there. And then you go through the pro that grieving will instigate and initiate that process of healing that you will need in order to move forward. And again, once again, like I said earlier with the other person, it is a process. So that's what I would suggest before you start. And I'm not saying that you're eager to go out and try to find nobody else. We're, no one's saying that at all, but we know that that's always a, a chance. And we know that the absence of a body causes us to desire a body. You I thought you were going to say be present with the Lord. I was no, like, wait, not what? Absence of, <laughs> not absence from the body. <laughs> I 
was like, where are we going with this? <laughs> Absence of a body causes us to want and desire a body. So we're not saying that someone's trying to, that you're trying to push into a different relationship, but we are saying that there's going to be a process. And I would consider if it's an actual loss, God forbid, that you also begin to seek therapy in order to go through it, because that's a lot of years you have a connection with that. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So somebody asked, where do I start when trying to move on and heal from my ex? It's been three years apart and I thought I was okay, but I'm not. I hoped we would come back together, but I'm accepting that it's over. I have a question before we answer that. And you can dive in. I just, I have a question first. Sure. In that three years that you've been apart, have y'all ever come together in between that time that made you believe y'all would get back together officially or have you perhaps just been away from them for three years and just silently hoping? That's just a question I have. That's right a now. fantastic question because here's what I hear. You said, where do I start when trying to move on and heal from an ex? It's been three years apart and I thought I was okay, but I'm not. Three years apart. I think I'm okay. I hoped we would come back. Mm -hmm. Three years apart. I think I'm okay. I hoped we would come back. The issue with this that's going on is that I believe I'm okay because we're apart. Mm -hmm. But in the back of my mind, I'm hoping we get back together. And that's the area in which that tie is tied. That's the area that's keeping you from experiencing the freedom from them that you need. It's the hope that we will get back together. All too often, we, we lie to ourselves and think just because I walked out, just because I went left or right, just because there's space and distance in between us, that it's over. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Space and distance doesn't declare that it's over. It only declares that there's a distance in between what's not over. And so there you are in the midst of that hoping. There you are in the midst of that wishing. There you are in the midst of that with your door wide open, hoping that space is being closed eventually. Go ahead. That's what I'm saying. That's that's why I was I'm so hoping that question, <laughs> the answer would come through to that question because hoping you would get back together, it's hard to believe that they were holding on to nothing like or for nothing during that time. And so when a relationship is over, but we leave that door open, it means that we're leaving that door open for them to mistreat us. We're leaving that door open for them to take advantage of us. We're leaving that door open for them to take advantage of our hope of that things will change. And so if you have been hoping for three years that things would change, I'm interested in understanding what they would have done to make you believe that that could still be a possibility. Because at the end of the day, the very first step you have to take is to close that door officially. Yes. Close, make the decision to close the door officially. Listen, we've had people go through our program with us who did not close that door officially. And they just went back to the same hell that they told us they were trying to escape. And so it's how do I do it? First, you close the door. Then you have to be honest about why it is important for you to close that door, not because of them, but why for you is it important that you close that door? That's it. Close the door. Even though Takara says she's curious about what was going on in between that time, in my position, I'm not because whatever was going on should never be going on because that's what's keeping you stuck. It's not blaming you, mm -hmm. not blaming them. Because you don't know, but you have to understand that if this is not what you want, then this is not what you want. If you go to the store and purchase something and decide that this is not what you want, you don't sit there and look at it from a different angle. Mm -hmm. You don't keep tasting it to see if the flavor is going to change. You box it back up and you take it back. And that's what you have to do. Yes, it's a long trip back. Yes, sometimes it's cold out there when you do go back. There's a possibility of an accident on the way, but eventually you're going to have to take it back. Now to begin to answer that question of what do I do to move on and heal? First, you have to cut it off. Mm -hmm. This is like a dangling limb. No dangling limbs over here. It's going to have to be severed. Yes. Dangling limb have to be severed really quickly. We love our medical analogies here because we are extremely obsessed. Well, I am extremely obsessed with like medical shows. Whenever something 
gets cut off, let's just say you get a cut in your hand, right? Very first thing mama, grandmama, everybody tells you to do is treat that wound so it doesn't get infected. Because if it gets infected, it begins to then affect the entire limb. And if you let it go for too long, it gets to the point to where necrosis sets in, right? That whole limb, instead of one tiny cut, can cause your whole limb to have to be cut off and die. Because what happens once that sets in, it begins to kill other areas of your body. It begins to corrode, like all of a sudden, all areas of your body, and it will kill you. When you're involved in a relationship that is doing nothing but taking from you, that is doing nothing but draining you of your emotional energy and taking from your self-esteem, your emotional health and well-being and everything that you know you deserve, it begins to slowly kill you over time. No, you're necessarily, you will not physically die from that. But the emotional death is then you get to the point where you're stuck in a relationship. And because you now do not feel like you deserve any better. Now, because you feel like nobody else will want you after all of this, you stay there and you stay dangling. Cut that limb off right now before it has the opportunity to ruin the beautiful, wonderful person that you are and who you're supposed to be with after this. Absolutely. Now, when we say cut off, it's important that what that means is for either a season or forever. I want to make sure that you understand that you need your isolation. Like Cara said, you need to be isolated, cleaned up, and given room to heal. When you said, I feel like it's always empty promises, that's because they're full of empty promises, which contradicts itself, full of emptiness. Right. (laughs) But you get empty promises because you're open to hear empty promises. Cutting off means that you're no longer open to hearing empty promises anymore. It might hurt, but you have to understand that we listen out of hope or actually wishing. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because the hope goes deferred. So the idea is, is that you can no longer listen anymore. You can no longer give an ear to it anymore. The longer you're willing to give an ear to it, the more open that door is and the the more connected that limb is to you. Someone said, it is an empty promise. He knows that he can have you whenever he wants you. Leave him alone. (laughs) Walk away and say to yourself that you know, huh, your worth. That's it. Say to yourself that you know your worth. And most women in this position know their worth and their value. That's why they keep trying to obtain it or reobtain it from broken relationships because they invested so much. The problem is, is that they have to really know that they're worth above what they've invested. Right. We don't think about that, do we? I give so much to you. I give so much to you. I give so much to you. I feel like I'm tapped out. No, your life, your living, you can regenerate that. Mm. You are worth more than what you sunk into that thing. And you can actually recapture that if you stop sinking it into it. Listen, listen, church, you walk into there. (laughs) I did trying to purchase your worth for that person because you did not know what you're worth before you went into it. And so you measure everything that you've invested into that relationship according to your worth. And so if I've poured all of this much in here, not even so much that I'm recognizing my worth as I'm pouring all of this into that person, I'm dishing stuff out and pouring it in hoping that they would recognize my worth. I'm trying to purchase my worth from them and understanding that you were supposed to walk in there with it all ready. So as soon as you begin to give them that power, they will continue to diminish what you perceive your worth is because, again, you're throwing something into an empty vessel and a mm. broken vessel that you just keeps spilling right out of. Know your worth before you go in there. You cannot purchase your worth. Right, right. A diamond unfound is still a diamond, baby. Come on, church. I'm telling you, straight up, straight up. Hopefully that helped. If it didn't help, I'll go ahead and ask a secondary question or follow up question. Anyone else in the chat who wants to ask a question, go ahead. We're going to go ahead and move forward with these questions because we, we still got a lot to answer. You ready? Absolutely. This person said, for us singles, please define what it means for a man to lead. What should we look for? All right. This is important for me. 
as a man, but I did make notes on this. And the reason why I did is because I wanted to give some lit, just in case there's a man or a masculine voice or masculine mind listening to this, Uh I want to make sure they understand exactly too, because we don't only have women listening to this, right? Mm -hmm. So here it is. A lot of women make the mistake of thinking that a man who's willing to lead, especially during dating, is an aggressive man, a man who aggressively decides or a man who's charismatic or a man who is always running in front of her. Or you understand what I'm saying? A man who was always this mentality or this caricature of an alpha. It's a caricature of a man who's going to me. It's a picture of a father dragging a child through the amusement park. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Whenever I think of a man in that way, father who's just self-indulgent, just dragging their kid through the amusement park. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what I see. That is not a leader. Just because they're out in front does not mean they're a leader. That goes to a lot of y'all's pastors. I'm just saying, just because they're in front does not make them a leader. Just because they pull you behind them does not make them a leader. As a matter of fact, the idea that they are pulling you lets you know that they're not a leader because a leader does not have to push or pull. A leader simply goes and they're there. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whoever's behind them is behind them. Now, watch this. So how do we recognize a leader as a woman who's out here who's dating? Number one, he's going somewhere. You've heard this before, but you have to notice that there's a man with a trajectory and he has a plan to get to that trajectory and he's already en route to that trajectory. This isn't just professional. This is mentally. This is emotional. This is relationship wise. A man who want, I'm telling you from the of my being, a man who knows what he wants out of a relationship will let you know early on. It's either you're going to be a longevity or they want some booty. That's going to be the case. I'm serious. Now, booty could come with the longevity, but I'm telling you, no, I'm serious. A man will let you know that's going to be the trajectory. That's going to be the end route. That's going to be all the dirty talk. That's going to be all the whispers in your ears. That's going to be all the groping. That's going to be all the touching. That's going to be all the trying to pull you closer and the, the whole nine crossing boundaries when you've already said no. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's going to be all of that. You hear me? So you need to understand and see where he's leading. He is all, he's going to be going somewhere. Where is he leading you to? What have you identified as far as the relationship is concerned, as far as his professional, as far as where he's at financial, economically, as far as where he's at and spiritually and, and all those other ways. So number one, he's going somewhere. Number two, he's accountable. A leader is never alone. A leader is always accountable to someone and accountable for someone, period. Anyone who does not want to be accountable is not a leader, period. Does that make sense? And that includes ladies. When you're looking for a leader and somebody who's accountable, it's are they able to also hear you and connect with you as well? Listen to you because somebody who's accountable understands that outside of them, sometimes they have some of the greatest insight outside of them. So also like accountable, pay attention to how they hear from you in that relationship as well. Absolutely. Which leads us to our number three. Is he empathetic? Is he empathetic? Too often we're out here looking for men and we're finding men that don't get us. A leader is able to see others pain and respond to it. A leader is able to do what Takara said and consider your voice. Mm -hmm. A leader does not ever not consider your voice. A leader may not know how your voice belongs in this particular situation, but that's when conversation comes up, which leads us to number four. He's communicative. A man who's a leader is able to communicate their position and they're able to understand your position or they attempt to understand your position. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Number five, they're decisive, not aggressively decisive, although sometimes urgency is there, but they're decisive because they take the time to actually weigh a position to make sure that this is going to be the right thing for everyone involved. That's a leader, everyone involved. Then a leader is self-reflective. A leader is self-reflective because they have to be able to take critique. They have to be able to adjust and correct their own path or be corrected in their path. And they have to be willing to continue to grow. Then a leader has non-abusive correction. Now, listen, In all these relationships, I I know 
what people have told you, but sometimes you're going to be wrong and you have to be willing to hear that you're wrong. But a leader, a man will be willing and able to explain what's wrong, how that's wrong and keep you safe in that wrong. You're going to be safe to make mistakes because you won't be scared of the any kind of punitive damage outside of those mistakes. Right. You don't feel like you're going to be getting in trouble with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then most importantly, a leader knows themselves. All men aren't perfect and all men aren't the same. So a leader will know something. They will know themselves to their position where they can actually explain to you who they are. They can show you who they are in their character, their behavior and their demeanor. And as they do this, as they explain this in their words, as they tell you who they are, you'll be able to corroborate that by what you see of them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Now, all that together creates a leader. One thing that you need to understand as a woman who's dating is that he's not ready to lead. His position ain't to lead you yet. A lot of times you like aggressive men because you want to see how they lead or if they lead. Listen, I I know aggression is attractive. That's why thugs are attractive. That's why the bad boy is attractive. Aggression is attractive because at least they know where they're going and they know what they want. I get that. But the big thing is is that you got to pay attention to whose hands you put your heart in. So you can't just be instantly attracted and get your loins all disheveled. And now you're willing to put your, your heart into his hands to lead. He can't be practicing with you. You should be leading yourself. And as you lead yourself organically and gradually, you allow him the opportunity to show his leadership to you. Yeah. And I think when it comes down to especially dating, you know, a lot of times us women are told like, oh, you know, letting him order things like that. Like that's not leadership. I think that the key thing that you pointed out right here was never definitely knowing yourself, but also being able to go somewhere. One of the key things that you will find in dating relationships that has never failed. And I've married somebody like this in my past. And I wish I would have paid attention to things like this in my past is that number one, they didn't know who they were. So they emotionally beat me down in order to get validation from me to make them feel like who they want it to be. Right. Insecure cats are the worst. Right. And so knowing who they are, you will be able to observe them communicating where they're going, communicating what their goals are, and then taking action on those goals. And hey, if you don't want to go, that's cool. I'm going this way. Like, this is where I'm headed. And then being able to observe them creating that opportunity to communicate with you about who they are and where they're going as well. If they cannot determine who they are and they cannot communicate those things, already you're starting out at a deficit. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's jump in here in these chats. I see a question right here. We've got a couple. Well, she it was a two-parter that came through and she said, how do you know mm-hmm. when it's time to get married in a long-distance relationship? We'll be dating for a year this summer. We're both in the military, stationed in different states. We see each other every month. But how do we spend more time when we're located in different places? Okay. So there are two questions there. How do we know when it's time to get married and how do you spend time together when you're located in different places? I'm not going to say, did you want to jump in? Kind of, but let me see what you say. All right. I'm not going to say military is a touchy subject. I've been in the military. She's dealt with people in the military and we know the dark side and the bright side and mostly is dark, but I'm just being honest here. Honest, honesty. If just objectively speaking, the idea of whether we should get married should actually be less a priority than spending time together. If we can't actually isolate how to spend time together and when to spend time together so that we can nurture this new relationship, then we're not ready to get married yet. Your hearts might want to get married. Your minds might want to get married. And I get that kind of love. I get the strength of that kind of love from both of you, as honorable as you both may be. But unless you're spending time together, you're not getting the fullness of who the other person is. You're getting the other person framed by the experience of being in a distance relationship. 
And because you're both in a distance relationship and in a profession that requires distance, that also makes you feel like, well, if this is going to be my norm, perhaps this is okay. But first, you're also human and you need to go ahead, even if the professional part might be your norm, you might need to take some time off to spend some quality time together, some good time together, weeks together, daily. You understand what I'm saying? Because you need to have time to actually figure out if this person is for me. And listen, I understand that there's always the exception to every rule. This is not everything. So if Things are incredibly like beyond gold. They're platinum. They're triple platinum, quadruple platinum. And you sure that you sure that you, you got to be sure about this. Like it's, you're like, you're sure your life because it will take your life. It will take your life out from under you because breaking these things are hard. You understand what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. being hurt is hard. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say one thing about the military too, is that a lot of things feel like an urgency because you don't know what's going to happen with deployment. You don't know what's going to happen with certain things with your station. And so with the military, we've seen a lot of people in my family, especially, you know, you've seen a lot of people get married quickly because everything happens in a whirlwind and everything happens kind of like in a vacuum, like when you're in that environment. So be very careful about time. We don't put time clocks on anything, but be very careful that you're not speeding through things because of the situation that you find yourself in, especially with it being long distance. If I may, as far as you and I, as far as spending that time together. Who, me and you? Yeah. Why, why? I don't want them to know. No, I'm just okay. kidding. Go ahead. No, no, no. no I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go, 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 go. go. Like, I won't. So <laughs> one thing that we did dating is we spent a lot of time, like we were long distance, but we made arrangements to spend an extended amount of time together just to get a taste of each other's in each other's space between here in Georgia, him in Ohio. Like there were extended periods of time that we spent together. Like I worked from his place, like he came here, he worked from here, like all of that. Like it was very intentional to the point to where I needed to know like what would get on my nerves, what would annoy me, what would I have anxiety about, what would he, you know, find frustrating, like things like that. At the end of all that, we had to know because we've been married before. Unfortunately, we've been married before and I wasn't going to get married again at all really first but then under circumstances where I was not sure of who this person was especially being long distance everything is sexy and romantic and lovey over the phone and text message and we was doing a little video things at the time too like yeah 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 everything was exciting but nothing really helps that rubber meet the road than actually being in each other's presence so like Kenya alluded to earlier take some leave together and actually spend some time together. And honestly, don't make marriage the forefront of that conversation. Don't rush to the marriage conversation. Rush to, can we spend time together? Can we tolerate each other? What are their likes and dislikes? What are our quirks? We had a big old fight, like all of that, like, and we still decided to love each other. So those are the things you need to get through, not rush to marriage. Right. And none of this is to trivialize or demean what you already have developed during that one year. I don't want you to get that we're not your parents and we're not going to be overly worried about, ooh, are you making the right decision? But you really do want to know that you're making the right decision. People come with their idiosyncrasies. People come with things. I'm telling you, someone who you don't spend 24 hours a day with and you talk to for hours on the phone, remember, you're probably only talking to them for four hours at the you know, that's, that's a, that's a tough max. Some people can go six, but I mean, you're, you're talking to them for hours, but you, you don't see them throughout their entire day. And when you are missing that, there's a lot that goes in the peripheral that we miss and we fall in love with what we do see. Right. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with either one of you. I mean, who knows? I mean, everything could go well, everything could go great. I've, I have witnessed some great military marriages especially with God involved, but just be very careful and be intentional about spending time together, time and observant about what you do in that time and what's going on in that time. Makes sense. Perfect sense. If y'all do decide to get married, get premarital counseling, real counseling. Right. Absolutely. That's it. How do I attract someone with the same morals and values that I have? Okay. So let's go to bare bones here. How did we develop those morals and values? 
where did we develop those morals and values? Okay. Now, many times those morals and values are developed within our culture and within our family and within a place like a church or a mosque or something of that nature. So now we have to start looking at what develops them and who developed them. And then obviously you can't date a family member, but what I'm saying is you, you want to begin to be aware of how those are developed. Where do people occupy those spaces at, or where do people who have those values occupy space? Okay. That's where you want to begin looking. How do, and I'm not saying that you're looking, but if you're present in those areas, then you can be attractive to someone else. Obviously someone is is going to be attractive to someone who is like themselves. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything to place on that? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure that you understand, like, for instance, now I'm about to jump into some deep water here. I mean, not deep water, but some hot water. But I do understand that when our values are developed in the church house, everybody in the church house don't have them values. (laughs) So now that's when we get to observing and verifying that those values actually exist. Don't take it for granted that just because a person is in that space that they have the same of what you have. What I'm saying is, is that it's statistically better that if they're in that space, they have a higher chance of having those same morals and values. Now, here's what my question would be to you. What moral or value, and please put it in there as soon as you can, what moral or value do you have the most problem with other people keeping and you're a woman. So I would expect this to be men. So what moral or value do you have the most problems with finding other people who have it? Did that question make sense? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the other person who asked how you begin to heal and move forward after divorce, we did answer that question. It was like the second question that we answered. So once this is over, definitely go back and listen to that. What I will say is we do have a live healing after heartbreak class that we're probably going to be putting on in a few weeks here. But what you can do is go to workwiththemartins.com and download the free guide, Why It's So Hard to Let Them Go First. That gives you some good first steps of beginning to heal and let go. But that will also put you then on the list to get alerted when we do our live healing after heartbreak class coming up here soon. Okay. Is that cool? Yes, it is cool. Okay. I think she's going to be cool with it. (laughs) Okay. So the morals and values that we're looking at is integrity, communication, and empathy. So here's the thing. Integrity is going to be something that you're going to be checking for. First of all, I get all three of these things. These three things, they're not arbitrarily developed, but they're a massive need in a, in a big way, meaning that there's no one community in which you will find these. Well, and not only that, the integrity aside, communication and empathy, when the, the last 20 years we've had a generation be immersed in social media where quick messages and, and communication has become lacking and empathy is even gone down the tubes because of social media. So not just it's not even developed, it's now it's being taken away from our generation. Go ahead. Right, absolutely. So with that being the case, Here's what you want to do as you date. This is going to be good because it may not be a sense of attracting a person off the rip that they're like that. It may be a sense of identifying if a person is like that, meaning that you're going through people. Now, let's talk about dating real quick. Dating ain't hookups. So I want to make sure you understand that dating ain't hooking up, but having conversations with other men. You can actually begin those conversations or those friendships or carry out those friendships by demonstrating these attributes and looking for those attributes in them. Demonstrating integrity, demonstrating communication and demonstrating empathy. Now, communication is going to be the one you look for first because you want to see if they're as communicative or as open to the extent that you are. You want to make sure that they are willing to speak to you the way you need to be spoken and to the frequency you need to be spoken to. Some men and women are not talkers. So there has to be a level of of balance there in your assessment of them. But you want to make sure that you're looking at communication first and talking to them and seeing what's going on and at what level they communicate at. Second thing is going to be empathy. Are they seeking to understand you? 
Are you seeking to understand them? If you find yourself in a place where you don't feel like they're getting you, now this take this is a little bit deeper in the relationship, but if you find yourself in a place that, you, that they're not getting you, are they trying? Are they attempting or are they trying to force you to get them? Okay. Now, sometimes this has to do with the health of a person. And so sometimes this is something that has to be grown in them or can be matured in them, but it's something that you can certainly demonstrate as well. Integrity is something you're watching for. You demonstrate it. But you demonstrated, say, this is the precedent in which we live. This is the precedent in which I live. And you watch for it. If anything that doesn't sound like the level of integrity that you like, then you have the right to call that out. That's very important. Now, all this sounds wild. It sounds like a whole bunch of different rules, but it's really just organic. It's just how it is. With me and integrity, I have a problem with even white lies. And so I have a antenna up with what goes on around me and who I deal with regarding that. And so I look for integrity on a consistent basis. I look for it in her, but I also look for it in people in general because I keep my circle real close. Well, let's go back from integrity and communication. When Takara and I got together, even though we were kind of fed up with the whole dating scene, we put everything on the table. This is who I am. Who are you? And we went on from there. It wasn't brunt. It wasn't brutal. It wasn't classless. It wasn't tactless, but it was there. We learned each other from the standpoint of this is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is kind of who I am or where I'm at at this point. And this is how we can work together on two different fronts. That's exactly what we did. Then you're looking at empathy. We spent time looking to understand each other. Empathy is best practiced in confrontation and conflict. It is then confrontation and conflict where you see somebody bounce to, because we could fake empathy. I mean, a man's game is to fake empathy. Baby, what you want? Baby, you like butter on that? Baby, you want some extra cheese on that? Baby, what you want to watch? Baby, let's go here. Baby, you want me to? Oh, okay, let's go there. And so all that. But when conflict comes up, that's the best place to practice empathy. And so you're going to have to have those kind of conversations. You're going to have to spend some time with somebody. You might spend two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, six months. And then you begin to find them. So I guess after all that, going back to your original question, how do I attract? Attract. I think the idea is, is that it's not magic. You can't just attract that special person or a person who... I don't want to mismanage what you just asked because you didn't ask for a special person. You asked for a person with morals and values. Nine times out of 10, you're going to attract one out of many who are around you. Stay in a right environment. That's number one. Stay in an environment where you know people of integrity are generally and then test them out as they show themselves to be attracted. I hope that makes sense, man. I... I don't do silver bullets. It's hard and I, I want to do a silver bullet and I want to say if you do this, that, or the other, and if you act this way, that way, or the other, I want to say if you will get more feminine or if you do this, that, and you know, all the kind of crap that you hear out there, I want to say that, but I can't. There is no, we're humans and we're dynamic beings. So it's hard for me to give a silver bullet to it. So I hope some of that helps. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Martins podcast, recorded live on social media and distributed to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Now, we can't grow without you, so help spread the love. Wherever you found us, rate, like, share, and leave a review. We are grateful to you and appreciate you in advance. Do you have a question for us? Then visit askthemartins.com ask us your question or ask for a friend. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Ask the Martins podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program.